This is Blake 7 in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by 5 to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs. Who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. Here we go, episode one of a brand new podcast series. I'm Eric Moore. Um, I'm sat here in my personal pursuit ship, accompanied by a mutoid, and my co-pilot, Ian Marchant. Hello. Hello. You're not meant to be in the mutoid outfit, though, Ian. Uh, Well, I'm not actually dressed up. This is my normal wear, so... It's fine if you, as long as you didn't have that, like, black pasty on your head. You you really should take that off. Uh, That's actually the cat, so be kind to her. Oh, okay. My eyesight's going. It's because I've got my Travis eye patch on. If maybe if I took that off, I could uh, it, yeah. you know see a bit better. Yeah. All right. Okay. So here we are. First episode of a brand new podcast. Hello to anybody that might be out there. Um, Ian and I um, are friends of old, um, and we've very been old, yes. very old. Very, <laughs> very yeah, old. Emphasis on the old. And uh, we go back quite a way. And Ian has featured. Quite a few times now on a sister podcast um, to this one, um, effectively speaking. And I don't think it was the very first time you were on. I think it was the second time you were on. We did talk Blake Seven. Yes, we were talking about we, we, the first. We did. It seems so long ago. Seems so long ago, but we were. Yeah. Yes, we were. And uh, at the risk of s- sounding um, like something from Groundhog Day. Sorry about this, Ian. I thought it'd be, okay. um, as this is the first episode, uh, we should just have a natter about what our uh, history is with Blake Seven. Yeah, not from. Obviously, the danger with that is, with my memory being so bad, I'll probably give a completely different story this time. Well, you can go back and listen to the yeah. effectively speaking one you, and just actually, see. You, you, yeah, you could just you could just snip and edit it in. This could be fascinating to see how mu- much your mind has deteriorated in the last yes. year or so. Oh, it's gone completely. <laughs> All right, it's so down, it's... but not safe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. Oh. Okay, Ian, what's right. your story? Uh, well, Blake Seven and I go back to uh, its very first broadcast. It was one of those uh, one of those shows that's become a classic. That I I actually watched it from the start. Um, so I remember um, at the time there was two shows starting, and one was Logan's Run. Uh, the TV show, and one was Blake Seven. And for some bizarre reason, I don't know whether we'd been naughty or anything, but my brother and I were only allowed to watch one and choose one. And I think we chose wisely. We chose Blake Seven. And uh, even though that first episode is horrendously unsuitable for children uh, in its subject matter, um, we loved it. My dad loved it. He was very much into science fiction. And it, it became a, a, you know, a sort of family event to sit down and watch Blake 7. It seemed to be the, the acceptable face of, of sci-fi. Mm. Doctor Who at the time was, was sort of in its getting silly period. Yes, very Late much Late Tom so. Baker. Yeah, so that was sort of, you didn't really want to sit down with your parents with that because you then had to justify the silly bits. Mm. Um, but Blake 7 seemed to be, it, it felt... It felt terribly adult when you were watching it as a kid. It, it was very grown on, up, wasn't yeah, it? Yes, yeah. You look back on it now and you watch an episode and you think, you know, th- when you compare it to today's shows and what they can show and discuss, and it seems very, very, um, uh, very sort of vintage. Um, but back then, yeah, it, it felt very adult. So you felt you felt quite grown up watching it. It, it, it didn't feel like cowboys and Indians in space. It felt a mm. bit more bit more nuanced um than that and it's it's been a sort of a love of mine going onwards um i you know i think anyone of a certain age has memories of blue peter and building the liberator bracelets and building the guns and mm-hmm. you know playing blake seven in the playground um and it it it, it, it triggered something and it stuck with me and uh well, obviously when they came out on video they came out as horrendous compilation tapes do you remember that when the bbc oh, used to comp- just edit like, everything to pieces yeah the first one it was the beginning wasn't it yes um, that was it it yep. was called the beginning but there was another one as well but i can't remember what that was, it was called. Uh, it was 
I think it was the beginning, uh, Orac. There was a second one, which was, uh, was it, it included, it was Jewel. That's what it was called. Jewel. That's right. Yes, was, you're yeah, right. Yeah, it was the Travis sort of trilogy. Mm. Uh, then there was an Orac one, uh, and then they did a, uh, a season three one that didn't really go together, I seem to recall. Um, right. But yeah, they were, they were like 49 quid each or something like that. And they, lasted they were horrendous, about, weren't they? Yeah, re- really pricey. Um, and I can remember the first, certainly the first one, and probably the first two, um, we rented them and copied them because <laughs> you couldn't afford to buy them. And I remember hand-painting uh, pulling, getting a VHS case and cutting the clear plastic off, and then hand painting the Liberator and the title in like Airfix paints and Amol paints on the front of it. I wow. wish I still had it. I so wish I still had it because I imagine it's horrible. Well, you could but, recreate uh, it yeah. now. You could go to a could, boot sale it, and, yeah. and get some video cassette cases and that's, do it now. That's true. Yes, that's very true. Um, yeah, but that might be sort of cathartic, bring back memories yeah. and things. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, it's it's good memories those videos actually because they 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 held up hmm. they were I mean about the same time they were releasing Doctor Who and some of the Doctor Who's held up and some didn't but the Blake Seven ones as soon as that music started it was so evocative of the period hmm. and it was just it was like me and my dad were back in the seventies watching this the first time round horribly edited mind it 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 cut out lots and lots of bits of the the story on these uh, these yeah, compilations. I mean, it's something you said, you know, when we last discussed the show was, you know, apart from the little Corgi Liberator and the Jigsaw Puzzle and that very, very rare Federation toy blaster, yes. wow. there there was absolutely nothing. Um, it, and it wasn't until we got, got to the third season or the fourth season you had the Blake 7 magazine, where, which is when you finally did start yep. seeing stuff. But and as you said in the uh, the last time we spoke about this, the first two s- seasons weren't really talked about. And if you did see a photo from the first two seasons, it's yeah. like, oh. And it was incredibly evo- evocative because it was on and then it went. And you yeah, never, it, was, it wasn't repeated again. You never saw it again until you got these, these as you say, uh, rather butchered um, compilation tapes. Yeah, I mean, t- TV back then was very sort of ephemeral. It was if you missed it, you missed it. Mm. If you if you watched it, like you say, it then it started to mutate in your memory, mm. and the way memories work, you rethink things. And they all, it, a lot of things sort of became much much better. So you remember the effects as being better. You remember the stories. And there was lots of um, sort of if if ever you found someone else that had watched it and you start talking you suddenly realize that they've not remembered it in the same way mm. you have and and so these these myths and legends start to build up um and it was yeah it was only when and it was quite a way into the run of the magazine they started doing um like a center spread of photos from old episodes and yeah. it, it suddenly it was like that was the only time you saw it yeah um, because yeah, I think yeah, I was going to say the only other the only other sort of reference stuff you had, which was just terrible. Would remember the annuals, the Blake Seven annuals? Oh, they were awful. Were, Apart were, from the like, cover, yeah, yeah, yeah. They would they would splash out on a couple of photos, wouldn't they? <laughs> that was it. Yeah, and then the rest was painted by someone from Italy that had never seen the show. Do you want to hear a sad story? A very sad story. Oh, go on, go on. I I read somewhere, and it might have been in. Uh, in the Blake Seven magazine, or it might have been a Starburst magazine or something, about how the BBC had a photo archive somewhere in London. I can't remember where, yeah. where all these photos are, and you can go there and you can get photos, you know, uh, by stills. Okay, yeah. and I went there. Okay, oh wow, uh, yeah, I, I travelled all the way to this. I don't know if it was at TV Centre. I can't remember. And I went into the foyer and I just stood there. And I didn't know what to do. (laughs) And and I think I stood there for about half an hour. And I I was kind of like desperately waiting for somebody to come along and say, oh, can I help you? And nobody ever did. So I I walked away. (laughs) So you never got to see the archive? No, no. Because I was intimidated. I was in this place and I didn't know what to do. And I was quite young. And I kind of like stood there hoping somebody would take me under their wing and show me. And, 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 and And I walked away and I went back to central London. I think I went to Forbidden Planet. And just, uh, yeah, <laughs> so Aww. that was my sad little story. 
But you say about, you know, the, how they were ephemeral, they were on once, and, you know, this is the pre-video age. Um, I've said Certainly. before about, I, I used to audio record them all. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and, it's the only um, way you could do it, wasn't it? It was all Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had them all, all, all four seasons, um, just pushing my tape recorder up to the speaker of my little portable and recording it like that. And... Um, and so that's why I had to go on until the videotapes started coming out. Do you remember when the BBC finally started releasing them on video? Yes. It was two episodes of tape, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, Which and they released up... them, I think, one or two tapes a month. Yeah, uh, it, it was very uh, expensive. Yeah. You know, and that took up so much space on your shelf. You know? Yes. If, it if was... it's only two episodes per video cassette. Well, it's... Uh, I mean, but if, you, if you were a collector back then, when, when video sort of really started taking off for sell through i mean not for rental and if you were like a doctor well yeah doctor who or blake seven or a, lo and behold a star trek fan yeah your house rapidly filled up with vhs tapes yeah, it, it certainly was, did yeah this weird thing of uh, we can't have more than two episodes otherwise what you, you die of excitement or something there seemed to be an arbitrary limit on it didn't there they certainly did yeah so but no i had them on audio so it was a shock when i finally started seeing yeah. the the, you, the episodes again to well, this this is interesting then yeah so was it because i'm i did the same with colin baker's era of doctor who right. i taped it. i didn't have uh access to vhs at the time um but i did tape them on cassette and i love that era now because of the soundtracks but yes. i'd much rather listen to the soundtracks than i would watch the shows it's and exactly did you find what that i was with, about to say yeah? absolutely the dialogue is fantastic yeah. you know um um especially if particular writers were writing you, you, you know the 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 banter and the chemistry between say yeah. avon and villa you know just brilliant and yeah. you forget exactly what it looked like so it was a revelation <laughs> when i started seeing them again and yeah, yeah the dialogue is still absolutely fantastic yeah. absolutely eminently quotable um, it's a great then, show for the radio isn't it it's uh, it's brilliant yeah. for radio because when you then see not only some of the rather dodgy effects yep. or sets it's the costumes the costumes oh, are what yes. got me yeah. uh, got me the most you can have avon being his mo especially in third season and fourth season a avon being at his psychopathic best fine listen to it and then you, when you see that he's in this <laughs> black studded thing all padded yeah. with silver studs over with those huge gauntlets that he had in the fourth season it kind of detracts somewhat <laughs> yeah it's it's because when when you're when you're sort of an of, of that impressionable age you think that's that is that's a, a hard look isn't it mm. and you look back on it now and you think yeah black leather and silver studs mm -hmm. is a look but yes. not, not, you know, you're not going to get respect in a pub for that, are you? And his his hair got far more bouffant. Oh in, wow, uh, yeah. What fourth, happened fourth to season? <laughs> you, that's yeah. Everyone's hair got massive. I know everyone's did in the eighties anyway, but it very strange. And everyone started wearing jumpsuits in the fourth season. Yeah, it was all leisure was, suits, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that yeah, that was unforgivable. Poor old Villa in his like you know light blue one. Oh, that was awful. Yeah, awful. But no, I mean, you know, going back to the beginning, this is where we're starting at the beginning. Um, for me back then, I mean, I was desperately looking forward to it when it came up because back then, I mean, yeah. even now, you know, I'll soak up anything science fiction, you know. And, you know, you know what it was like back then in the 70s. We'd already had Space 1999 just before yes. this. Yeah. We had the media hoopla of Star Wars because that came out in May of 77 and Blake 7 was beginning of 78. And yeah. it was... Blake 7 started the same week that it, Star Wars opened in cinemas. So we all saw Blake 7 before we saw Star Wars, yeah. which is kind of odd now to think of it like that. Um, but it was weird that when Blake 7 first started, I remember, like, because you'd get, like, uh, chat shows, things like that, with, uh, with uh, Gareth Thomas and that on. And they would treat Blake 7 with the same or equal respect that they did Star Wars. Yeah. As if, yeah, it was a, a strange time. Now, now I don't think you would get that. You wouldn't get things on level peg and people would be, you know, touting how low budget it was, things like that. But back then it was like, there was no irony in it. No. It, pe people were proud of, of Blake 7. They were proud to have worked on it. And yeah, it, 
it was a strange, like you say, a very strange time for science fiction yeah. fans. Just going out of the the sort of Logan's Run style of sci-fi, where where scale is everything, to where sort of that almost gritty, yes, sci-fi. You know, we hadn't quite got Alien yet, but that was sort of the for me that's the epitome of gritty sci-fi. Yes, um, yes. But yeah, Blake Seven was it was. Although you look back on it now and it isn't, but at the time it was gritty. Yes. You know, oh, I can remember so. the, yeah, I can remember the, um, and again, I, I say I can remember, I think I can remember, I may be totally wrong and making it up, but I can remember the, the BBC showing trailers beforehand, so I, we were really looking forward to it, and it were, it was featuring, the trailers all seemed to feature the Federation guards, hmm. doing, doing whatever they were doing, probably shooting people, and it was like, ooh, this is so exciting, and yeah. yeah, I I love the Federation Guards. I am I'm in yes. an R in about actually making my own Federation Guard costume. Um, I'd go for it. Yeah, I think I will. I think yeah. I will. But I mean, it, it's funny you used to say they're gritty and TV, and and this is one of the things I think that registered with the show. Not only the fact that you know you know it looked brilliant, the Liberator was brilliant, the cast were brilliant, you know. A lot of the stories were brilliant, but it was different to television science fiction. You say Logan's Run was on at the yeah. same time, which you wouldn't call gritty. The only other Not two science all. fiction we had on at the time was The Tomorrow People, okay, yeah, ooh, yeah, yeah. which you wouldn't call gritty. And uh, you Who, describe you it as a word that sounds like gritty for <laughs> Tomorrow People, but yeah, not gritty. No, and Doctor Who, which you say was yeah. starting to go off the rails in silliness and stuff. Definitely. So I kind of lost interest. So this, you know, it 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 got me from episode one, and and it's been with me ever since. I mean, if I fancy watching, um, say a Star Trek or a Space nineteen ninety nine, oh, I'll watch one of them. I have yeah. to choose which episode I'm going to watch. You know, yes. I'll choose one because there are some duff ones in there that I really wouldn't want to watch again but with blake seven i could close my eyes pick a disc put it in the machine and just choose one at random and i'll watch any of the episodes there's always something in yeah. any of the episodes uh to get enjoyment out of i think the only episode that i whenever i'm doing my one of my periodic watch throughs of it and i'll i'll usually fast forward or skip completely is volcano which uh for, for anyone that knows the episode, it's it's not a great episode. But yeah, it, almost everything else, even the duffest episode, um, and I'm looking at you, Tanith Lee, and your episodes that you're in, um, the the dialogue w- carried it through. Yeah, the, it was it was. I won't say it, it. It sounds it sounds terrible to call it a soap opera um, of sci-fi shows, but the characters were the important thing. Yeah. Whereas with a lot of other shows it's the, the 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 characters are very much just ciphers to get the the idea of the weak across yeah um yeah. whereas this what this was probably the other way where the idea of the weak might be something fairly sort of low-key but you watched it because of these these characters i think it's in a similar way you could say that about star trek you know you're interested yes, in the characters definitely. and and this i think it blake seven and star trek it, it is a very indication of Society, Blake Sevens oh, wow. is is Britain's version of science fiction, yes. and Star Trek is Americans. You well, know. yeah, there's, there's there's this there's this unwritten sort of uh, rule, isn't there, that that American sci-fi tends to be uh, idealistic, mm. whereas UK sci-fi tends to be uh, looking on the bleaker side, and I think that's probably because of our general personalities so you've got like the nigel neils mm-hmm. you know in the in british sci-fi which where everything tends to get just a little bit worse yeah. as you go on um not not worse as in and in the programs but worse as in society starts to break down society starts to go they either you know fascist or you know something yeah. like that whereas american like say well up up until recently american sci-fi was very much Everyone starts to get on. Things get better. Yeah. Hope, um, which is good, good in its own way. I mean, I, I do, I do. I'm very much a Star Trek fan as well. I, I mean, I'm with a friend of mine and a little group of people at work are going through a where we're watching an episode of Star Trek every week, mm-hmm. and we're two and a half years into it, into next <laughs> gen. Um, and it, but it, yeah, you're right. It's very much a, a product of the. Of the of the nationality, right in it. 
I think I it's also. Any a, I wonder if there's any German or European. Well, with, that, there were Star Maidens. That, that was German. Oh my God! Yes, I remember that. That had Gareth Thomas in it. Yeah. You know. I've, you know I, I, I remember the. I remember the show. I don't remember anything about it other than oh. was it was even lower budget, wasn't it? Wasn't I mean, it yes, like it was? It, it looked at the budget for Tomorrow People and went, "Oh, if only." I don't know. I mean, I mean, they had Keith Wilson on board as the uh, set designer and production yeah. designer, so it looked. It's got many, many similarities to Space Ni- Nineteen Ninety Nine, but not with the same money. So it's interesting right. to watch it in that respect. But also, I think the difference between Star Trek and and Blake Seven is it's it's a product culturally of the times because Star Trek um, has a federation um, that. You know, when the show was created, it was the mid-60s, which was a time of great optimism in America. And I think that's why their federation is this one of progress and hope and enlightenment. Britain, at the time of when this was being written, was a bloody horrible place, wasn't it? You know, it was grim. We had all the strikes. We had the union battles. We had Thatcher's Britain coming in. And so the federation of Blake Seven is this oppressive fascist state you see i think yeah, that's got enough must have a lot to do with it as well uh yeah i think it it has to i think because sci- sci-fi generally although it's telling stories about the future is it tends to be a way of discussing uh problems we might have now in a in a tv suitable format isn't it mm. um like you say star trek was was hitting the end of the 60s or sort of mid to end of 60s so things were starting to look up you had the the, the space race going on so mm-hmm. th- you know progress whereas we uh, in the late 70s we we couldn't afford anything could we the the country was i mean i mean people probably don't remember this now the country was bankrupt it was bankrupt yeah. we had the power cuts yeah. didn't we we yeah. had been been yeah, three strike, three day weeks yeah. three day weeks yep yep Water shortages. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Stop. Stop. Well, I can remember All as a the kid stopcocks going in the street. Yeah. yeah. Going yeah. and collecting water for the family. I mean, it 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 sounds archaic. It sounds like something from the nineteen thirties. But this this yeah, it's it was a horrendous time. Yeah. And like you say, I think I think Blake Seven definitely reflected that. Mm. I mean, All especially right. now you wouldn't get. I mean, because there's always a the thing: is is Blake a, a a rebel or a terrorist and things like? That. Uh, but then he was de- rebellion was definitely the thing because the status quo was so bloody horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So all right. Okay, well we'll we'll start the show proper then, and I thought we'd right. start this new show at the start of a TV show and go for the really the first truly sinister face of this uh, faceless regime that we've got, Dev Tarrant. Oh, yeah. Now, I've chosen him over, um, you know, the bureaucrats who we see yep. in this episode who are discussing ra- rather cold-heartedly what to do with Blake. Yeah. Be- because he really is the personification in this episode of the Federation, I think. Yeah, the the, the, the other Federation officials you see, um, they're, they're very much... they. It's just another day for them, isn't it? They don't really yes. care. It's very... We need to do this. Let's do it. What's the best way we can do it? Despite yeah. the fact that it's it's horrible things they're doing. Um, very very almost like they're civil servants, aren't they? Rather they than federation proper. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Dev Tarrant. Um, let's start with the episode, the, the way back. I remember this one very well from the novelization because again, yeah. you know, th- these things were on on TV once. And if you had a novelization, you just reread it over and over again. Yeah, I, I mean, I can remember getting the the Trevor Hoyle novelization and being so pleased that it was actually a novelization of the the stories that we'd seen, rather than mm. like new adventures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was the only way that you could relive it. And I think it's also a bit like the Target novelizations color your memory of Doctor Who. This colours your memory of the episode. So when you finally see it, it's because it's it, the, the novelization is very, very different in its description of the world and what it looks mm. like. And and I I I think I've read somewhere that this was based on very early scripts of right. the of the show. Um, so everything is very much more mundane, isn't it? Like mm. you've got tape, reel to reel computer tape recorders yes, and things yes. like that. 
which obviously they didn't do in the show. Mm. Um, but it's the, the actual structures there. Um, but I find it for this, I was sort of, I was thinking, Oh, I'll, I'll go back and I'll reread the bits with, uh, Tarrant in, in the, <laughs> there's not a lot in the book, is there? There's not a lot of the book for him. <laughs> well, there's I not was a lot of him if, yeah, in the show. That's, that's very true. That's very true. Um, and it does show that you remember him and it, it's down to the, the actor and the performance rather than perhaps mm. the, the written word. Yeah. Yeah, watching it again. I'm. I mean, we keep mentioning Logan's Run, which was out at the same time. It yeah. is very similar to Logan's yeah. Run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very. We, I mean, uh, the, the, the very basic premise that you've got a dome city is very yeah. similar. But the people are also just like Logan's Run. They're not allowed to leave. Um, yeah, they, they they think that they 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 think they're living the life they should be living. Because mm. the, the interesting thing at the beginning with Blake is that he doesn't see anything wrong with the light. And he acts like when they, they give him a first drink of fresh water and it's like, oh, I, I prefer the, yeah. the the recycled and I what's that horrible smell? It's fresh air, blah, blah, blah. And so he he's quite happy yes. being ignorant. Yeah, li- living Which is, life. again, another another level to this story is that is ignorance equatable to happiness? You know, if you're... Yeah. If you, if you're happy with your lot in life, then you're happy. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. It is very good stuff. I mean, also, when you look inside the dome city, uh, the look of the corridors and the outfits the folk are wearing, they don't look science fiction at all. I mean, I mean, it is for very Orwellian. It's very 1984, more than anything yeah. else, I would have said. Yeah, they look like they're living in a car park, don't they? It's very concrete, very, yeah. um, you know, every, everyone seems and... to be wearing tabards and hush puppies, which yes. is, yeah. you know. And I'll tell you what, it's very strange to compare this first episode um, with the, as I say, the Orwellian look and feel to the very yeah. last episode, which is total and utter 80s science fiction. You know, you had the big, yeah. bold costumes, you've got the big, bold sets, big, bold colours and big, bold hairdos, you know. Um, but here, oh, this is this is uh, it's grim, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. very it's, grim. It's it's realistic. Whereas I, th- I think season four, they was the point. Well, actually, no, season three was probably the point where it became. It went from being a uh, a, a semi-realistic, if I can even go that far, science fiction show to being a space opera. Yes, and, and it it suffered yeah, after for... Star One. It definitely went that way, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Blake, he's been led by this lady called Ravello, who's told him not to eat or drink anything uh, for yeah. like thirty-six hours because you know the food and water is uh, laced with suppressants, which of course is news to Blake. <laughs> yes, that's my. That's one of my favourite lines that always makes me laugh when she says, "He says, have you not eaten for uh, twenty-four hours or drunk for twenty-four hours? How do you feel?" And he says, "Hungry and thirsty." <laughs> it's like brilliant. That's 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 Britain in a in a nutshell. And we don't want freedom if we can't have a drink. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and that travelling down corridors and up and down ladders and through different yeah. levels to get outside. And again, I'm I'm struck on how familiar again it is to Logan's Run. In yeah. Logan's Run, when Logan and Jessica are finding their way out of their dome city, you know, um, it looks very much like this. And they're being followed in that film by Francis. Yes. Uh, but here, Blake and Ravella, they're not be that they're being um, not so stealthily uh, followed by the focus of our episode. Dev Tarrant, yes, who and even from a distance, not, yeah. um, you know he's a bad guy just by walking, yeah. don't you? <laughs> exactly, yeah, he's he, yeah, it he's sinister, yes. So you're not he, quite sure where he fits in on any of this. No, he hasn't said a word, but straight away no. you know he's trouble, don't you? Yeah. He he's is, got that yeah, sort he, of face. You you don't see him and think you you don't get happy feelings looking at him thinking. Oh, if something happens, he's going to save Blake. You don't. Mm. It's like, oh dear. Mm-hmm. So they go outside uh, the city, and it's handy that this is all set at night, as it disguises and yes. you know covers up so much. I'm surprised they didn't do this more in Blake Seven because there are episodes where the effects are really quite oof. Um, but if they had filmed it at night and you just had you know a glass painting with some lights on it or something yeah. like that, um, Killer is one of them. The episode Killer, where 
Avon and Villa teleport down and there's a research station and it is a glass painting and it's not the best glass painting ever done. But if that had been at night, mm. you could have got away with it far better. But of course, night shooting costs a little bit more, oh, I suppose. For the BBC, yeah. so... Yeah, most of yeah, your actors they... are in the pub and you would have to get them out of the pub as Exa- well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You're going to have to pay a hotel for them and everything. So, yeah. yeah. I, But it does... I mean, there is that... When you look back and see the Dome City and it, you can't... You, you're not you're not entirely convinced. But it looks good for for sort of what you were expecting. It certainly looks better than most of the stuff that was on Doctor Who at the time. And also something that we've mentioned a few times on Effectively Speaking is when this was shown back in 1978, TV yeah. uh, TVs were not such good quality. Tra- TV transmission was not yes. such good quality. So I'm sure us back then, even though we'd have all the flash and the bang and the whiz and everything of Space 1999, I think we would have been perfectly happy with this. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone would have said, you know, it's only a model. Well, yeah. They might, if they were much closer fans, but yeah, it's only a model. Um, but yeah, it everything looked. It just sounds awful, doesn't it? Because because it didn't. But everything looked better on VHS and on five two five line transmission. Yeah. <laughs> it, because it, you're it, it covered up there was so many detail. mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so they go cross country for a few miles, still being pursued yeah. by Tarrant, and end up in what looks like a multi-story car park. Yes. I don't know yeah. why there's a multi-story car park a few miles away from Dome City, but there you go. Well, it's handy, isn't it? It's handy. Yes. Yeah. So Blake, he's introduced to Brent Foster, who tells him that yes. Blake's brother and sister are dead. The video casts he's been getting from them are fake. That he was once a rebel leader with Foster, but that he was betrayed and captured, and he had had his memories wiped and new ones added. Which mm, it's Blake strong stuff. Really, yeah. It's very strong stuff. But there's stronger to come in this episode, of course, yes. isn't there? So, so he wanders off um, to have a think about it. And uh, that's when Tarrant approaches Foster and yeah. our, our, our focus character speaks for the first time. What do you think? I don't know. There's not much left of the man I knew. We'll see. Right, let's get started, shall we? All right, everybody, come on. Right, we'll start the meeting now. Have you come over here and make a group? Yes. Yeah. And you, so, you, this is where you think he's, oh, he's a good guy. Yes. Because, yeah. yeah hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. Whether you were convinced or not, but yeah, you sort of thought, oh, right, okay. That's why he was fun. He was going to the meeting as well. He's and he was one just of the a bit late. Yeah. And if you're watching well, had, that, oh, yeah. oh, he's a bit late. Why didn't he catch him up and go, oi, I'm here, you know, and walk yeah. with them, you know? Shout yeah. after him, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Blake's having a pondo and Federation guards turn up. Um, yes, yeah. Quite a few of them as well. More, more than we on the, generally on little, see. Yeah, yeah, on a little golfing buggy or something. Yes. And Blake Seven immediately does something that Doctor Who does all the time, which is they conveniently miss Blake because he just steps back a bit yeah. and they run past. Well, that, no, nobody seems no, to no have peripheral vision. Has, yeah. yeah, that's it. No one in the future has that. Everyone wears blinkers. Yeah. It's very strange. Although, having, having worn a Federation outfit, um, yeah, you can't see anything. So it's, it's a wonder they, they managed oh, to do that's anything. What it is. That's yeah. what it is. All you've got to do is stand at the side of a Federation guard and you're all you're right. You're safe, yeah. Yeah. And also, I love the fact that because they're wearing um, 1970s nylon bell staff motorcycle suits, they could never creep up on you. No, they because can rustle. all you can hear is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, it's the guards, run. And then they'll chase you down in their very, very slow-moving, mm. Austin Powers-esque <laughs> vehicle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how all lazy right. have you got to be that you'd rather, it's quicker to walk, just walk, lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, the group surrender, uh, but they're gunned down. Um, And this is the first time you ever see a Federation rifle fire. And it's very strange. I hadn't remembered at all that uh, in this very first episode, the sound effect is completely different to any other sound effects you ever hear, this gun making. It's it's strange watching the first few episodes. Well, pretty much half of the first season, because they're experimenting all the time in not only looks sound effects visual effects but even script writing no one's really set yet no nothing's really right 
yet mm. but the the potential there but yeah it it does look to me and it's i always thought the the federation going it all to me as a child i always thought they could only fire once they were a bit like flint locks mm. because it seems we they fired once and then you'd never see that person firing again and you do have a and, very flintlock yeah. style puff of smoke come out yeah, in, in, yeah, in the early ones don't you yeah i which is a Again, I, I think it's a quite nice effect. Of course, now you'd get lasers and things. And I quite like the, the gun effects in Blake 7 for that, that you don't, because they couldn't afford them, you don't get superimposed laser beams and things. No. And again, it, feel, it feels more realistic, I think. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, Blake's taken in and he's told he'll be put on trial. And that's when we get the scene with the bureaucrats. Um, yes. Um, discussing what to do with him. And we see for ourselves, you know, this cold-hearted, cruel manner that the federation deals with its people um interesting as well that at this point again it's it's very realistic so the rebel group are talking about staging peaceful protests or work to rules and again very very much of the union era that it was made in Mm. um no one's sort of saying we're you know we're we're gonna find the, the the hole in the death star and blow up and destroy they're just they're saying let's Let's chip away at this in the way we can without endangering. And like when the guards turn up and they, um, Brad Foster says, you know, just just surrender. They can't do anything if you surrender. They still believe this. Mm. It doesn't sort of fit with what we know of the Federation later. People are convinced that that this is a. It might be a bit of a harsh regime, but it's a fair sort of regime yeah. that you'll get a fair trial. That you'll get a fair. And of course, it's not. <laughs> they just gun no. them all down. And, yeah. Well, Blake Blake's in his cell and he's offering no defence, um, no. which startles his lawyer, Tel Varon, um, because he thinks he's. Oh, those names! Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, we've uh, he, he finds out that he's not actually on trial for rebellion, um, yeah. but actually for child molestation, which is is awfully grown up, mm-hmm. um, awfully clever. And it's because it, again, Blake he thinks he's going to get his day in court. Yes, and he will say what's happened, and society will go, "Oh, this is terrible. We didn't realise that the Federation were terrible." So he's still believing that he's going to get a fair trial. Yeah, yeah, which is very, very similar to what was happening, you know, in the 1930s with Nazi Germany. That as the Nazi Party became the party of state and took over. people still thought they would get yeah. fair trials and that the, the logic and reason would win out mm. of course it doesn't doesn't in this case yeah yeah i mean i mean it's pretty shocking stuff it was pretty shocking stuff mm. then and it's shocking stuff now and especially as we later learn on um in this episode that the children who are making these claims were taken out of school and had the memories of the assaults implanted in their minds yeah. so that they believe them to be true and pass the lie detector test. That's the worst bit in this. <laughs> it really is. You've made three children yeah. actually believe that Blake did this to them. Yeah, it. it's very, again, very un-sci-fi-like in, the, in what they're doing. It's very, you know, they've, They've gone that extra step. They've and it's so cold and calculating, um, just just to tarnish this man's name. Mm. <laughs> and it's it's very unlike you know Terry Nation. I mean Terry Nation you know has a history in science fiction, yeah. but he had just come off the back of the Survivors, which again was a rather more grown up, serious attempt at uh, science fiction, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean Terry, I I like. I like Terry Nation's ideas. I think he's possibly not the best writer. Uh, he tends to reuse ideas over and over again. Um, I mean, there's, there's sort of classic because he used to he used to do a lot of writing for Doctor Who, and he, he uh, created the original idea of what the Daleks would be. Uh, again, not very detailed. Um, someone else fleshed it out, but. There's a classic story where Terence Dix, he, he hands a script into Terence Dix and Terence Dix says, this is a brilliant script, Terry. 
And Terry goes, oh, thank you. He goes, yeah, it's just it's the same script you've given us six times before. <laughs> um, so I I think, and, and especially, I think a lot of, of Blake Seven's successes and change and it are not in the original Terry Nation scripts. And I'm, I might be wrong, and I might be doing a disservice to the man, but I got a feeling that a lot of stuff was polished <laughs> quite heavily. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very, um, Terry Nation was very much a, a 1950s style, very broad sci-fi writer. Mm. Um, there, there usually wasn't that many nuances. <laughs> good was good, bad was bad, yeah. ugly was bad, different. Yeah, you know, it, very. It wasn't subtle. No, it, that's yeah, that's exactly the word. It wasn't subtle. I mean, when, yeah, when he is. wrote Genesis of the Daleks, you know, you've got Nida doing, you know, Nazi yeah. salutes and clicking his heels and stuff, haven't you? Yeah. You know, <laughs> not subtle. Yeah, he, not subtle at all. Um, so I, I, I think a lot of, of the success of Blake Seven, I mean, it's a, it's a, you're again, you're into almost a George Lucas type of aren't you? Terry Nation came up with the idea, um, but it was, I think, Picked up and run with by other people. Mm. I mean, it's classic. I mean, the, the the story of of when he went into the meeting to pitch Blake Seven, and all he had was the title. Um, and that's classic Terry Nation, isn't it? It's yeah, very much yeah. a, a job in writer. Mm. All right. So um, Blake tells Varon to go and check the massacre site, and yeah. um, while doing so, we get a, a second uh, viewing of Tarrant. Um, and yes. he's told that he works on the outer worlds in security. So now we've got a name for him, and now we've got a job description for him. Yeah. And now that yeah. we know all this, um, you know, if you had any sort of you, you were you, you know on the fence about whether he was a good guy or not in the car park. Now, now what we know about the Federation, and he's an agent of the Federation. You just know what side he's on. Yeah, he's 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 a Federation person through and through. Again, at this point in, well, I, at this point in the show, we're on the first episode. Uh, at this era of the show, um, we're not. The Federation is evil, but it doesn't become the the sort of caricature comic evil it it becomes in later seasons. Mm. I don't think. So you could, although he's doing bad things, you could. It, it's that blackadder thing of. When in Black Out of Fourth, when they're talking about spies and they say about a German spy and they say, oh, terrible, horrible, sneaky people, uh, and then our spies, uh, heroic, brave people. And it's that. So you could view him as he's a, he's a, the equivalent of like a, an SAS agent that's infiltrated mm. a terrorist group. Yes. You know, that was always what I liked about Blakeson was that, that there was always this question of who is right or is there a right even? Hmm. To, to to what Blake's doing. Yeah, sure. Um, Blake's found guilty in the only science yeah. fiction sequence apart from the London that's in this whole episode, which is the rather odd ball mm. things. <laughs> yeah, the balls of justice. The balls um, of justice, a, yes. Again, this, this is that lovely, quaint, sort of late 70s idea that computers would be better than us at deciding things, mm. isn't it? It's... Very, very, very old-fashioned. Um, but yeah, they let the computer weigh up the evidence um, in a in a sequence that. Yeah, it's it's very. Don't ask how it's working. Just accept that just this is doing with something. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I guess they put that in because they've got to put a bit of science fiction in there. I mean, we're yeah. going to have the London in a minute because he's uh, he's sentenced to life on Cygnus Alpha. Yes, and uh, as he boards the ship, um, Varon and his wife Marja, who for the longest time I didn't spot was uh, Hammer's Pippa Steel. I I did not make that connection. Yeah, yeah, that's Pippa Steel wow. um, from some of the uh, um, early seventies yeah. uh, Hammer films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good uh, little actress she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go to the site. Uh, the bodies are still there. Don't know why they haven't been cleared away. Um, and they video the no evidence. cars I... to park. You see, don't need to clear oh. it up. Yeah. <laughs> or, the, or, or is this is this another subtle reference to 1970s where the bins weren't being emptied? Could be, 
could mm, be. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that. They they've got their video footage. They decide they're going to head back, and yeah, she's going to with, yeah. with a, a, a hilarious video camera. I must admit. Do do you ever go on uh, my Blake Seven Ships Crafts and Weaponry Facebook page? Uh, I occasionally do. Yes. Yeah. yeah pop on there because this week, because oh, I was coming, like looking yeah. into this episode, you know, for the show today, and yeah. I thought, ooh, <laughs> it's not a weapon, but uh, yeah, I've got to get that image. It is yeah. hilarious that you know in this uh, in this new calendar. Earth, <laughs> that, that's your video recording device. Yeah, it's um, it's something. I, I, sci-fi never really got that right. The thing, things would get much, much smaller. Everything seems to get bigger, doesn't it? Yeah. Weapons get bigger, and things, yeah. But it, it's, it's worth a laugh, and it makes a lovely whirring noise when you use it. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they head back because they, they they they've got the evidence that's going to yes. you know free Blake and they still and believe this is going to work they do they do yeah. it, it is this naivety that everyone yeah. seems to have that you know um yeah it's a it's a grim you know organization that's that that's controlling things but um, but they it, it's it's like it's they seem to think it's end. just yeah it's just a few bad apples doing this that if yeah. they can get that proof to the the person at the top it will all be solved it doesn't cross their mind once that that it's it's bad from the top down. Well, which this is, really, is what this is yeah, what Sparrow's undoing because when he gets you know that uh, the files off of that guy, he yeah. says in front of the guy, "This is going to do it." Blah 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 blah, and the guy immediately calls security yeah. the minute that they've gone, and that and that's why what happens next happens because you know we see Blake, uh, he's on the London, the London takes off, we get a beautiful model shot from outside. Yeah. Uh, that's where the budget went. Taken off. Yeah, that's where the budget went, and um, and then we cut to Mr. Tarrant there, standing yes. over the bodies of the lawyer and his wife. Yeah, which is a lovely, uh, lo- it's a lovely frame shot, but it's, it's a it's lovely dark, it not dark as in light levels, but a lovely dark image as in for for a ostensibly advertised as a children's sci-fi show. Indeed, indeed, and. We have the only other line spoken by Dev Tarrant, and it, and it's the way he so smoothly and smarmily delivers it. It perfectly encapsulates what the Federation is all about. I think a transporter accident. Killed instantly. Very tragic. See to it, will you? The, the the actor playing this part is is perfectly cast. I think. Mm, mm. Let's talk about him then. Um, the man who plays him is unfortunately the recently deceased Jeremy yeah. Wilkin, who died only what five days ago. Yeah, from when we're recording this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I said to you about doing this show, and I told you who the first yeah. one would be, and it would be yeah. Dev Tarrant because he's the first face of the Federation that we ever see. And yeah, a few days ago, uh, unfortunately, he he passed away. Yeah, ho- hopefully, um, we are not starting a curse for your podcast. The, this I, thought uh, hasn't yeah. occurred to me. Yeah. Um, mm, maybe I should only s- stick to uh, to guest characters that are no longer with us. Well, well, yeah, at least you're playing safe there, I think. No, 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 because I want I I can't wait for us to get to episode three. Oh um, yes. <laughs> so anyway, Je- Jeremy Wilkin, as you say, he's he's perfectly got a face of uh, of, of of a villain, but yes, he's he's done a ton of science fiction and fantasy work, and not always villain like. Um, no. If you if you look, I mean, he was in the Curse of the Fly, which yeah. I've never seen. Have you seen Curse of the Fly? Uh, I have yes. Um, okay. I, I, I again when VHS was uh, in its infancy, I paid a fast fortune to import uh, some US cassettes of the the three fly films. Um, right. But I wish I hadn't bothered. <laughs> They're not the the first one's okay in a whimsical way, but yeah, the sequels are not great. Right. Right. As I say, I mean, you know, he looks like a villain. He has a delivery yes. that is very villain-like. This is why he was chosen for it. But yeah, well, I he. Was yeah, I was going to say he. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but um, villain-wise, he he's the villain-stroke 
is he a villain again very well written in uh, my one of my favorite doctor who stories which is revenge of the cybermen mm-hmm. and he plays a character called kelman and again it's one of those he could be a villain he might be someone trying to do right but he's brilliant in that he's if if, yeah. if you've never seen it go and watch it it's he's he's amazing but he has played an awful lot of out-and-out good guys. I mean, he's yes, the voice yeah. of Virgil Tracy in Thunderbirds. Yeah. Can't get can't get more good than that, can you? No. Um, Captain Oka in Captain yep. Scarlet. Uh, voice working Joe Ninety. He was in Journey to the Far Side of the Sun. Yeah. He was the voice of the Bishop in the Secret Service. Um, something I every I, I I was looking at him. and said, I know you from somewhere. I know you from somewhere. And it wasn't until I I am DB'd him that I realised he's a navigator on board Skydiver yes, sky in UFO, diver, yeah. which I just right. watched last year. I, I, yeah. I had a UFO marathon because I got it on Blu-ray, and I watched them all, you, you know, yeah. one after the other. And it's, I know you from somewhere. And yes, of course, yeah, Revenge of the Cyberman. He was also in The Spy Who Loved Me, and he was also in The New Avengers. Oh, right. I don't remember him from The, okay. the New Avengers. It's been a while now, since I've seen it, to be fair. Yeah, no, I, I I love the Avengers. I love the original Avengers. I wasn't so keen on the new Avengers. And um, yeah. if if I stumble on it on TV, I might watch it, but I really yeah. don't feel like buying it. Hasn't right. held up well. <laughs> I thought what we would do at the end of each episode is uh, just wrap things up with something called the Tallyman section. All right. right. This is news to you, Ian. Sorry about this. This is Yeah, this is a complete surprise. Yeah, so I, I thought I would... As you know, in effectively speaking, we always end the show um, with a rating for yes. you know the sequence. So I, I was thinking about some way of ending each episode, and I've come up with the tallyman section. Okay, right. So basically, it's a rounding up of how much each actor has done in the way of science fiction or fantasy or whatever. Okay, oh, right. So I've come up with a number of tallies. All right. There's what's going to be called the genre tally for general subjects, the Star yep. Wars tally, the Anderson tally, the Who tally, and the Bond tally, all right? And any more, if any, should uh, appear. So, right. so, oh, uh, Jeremy here, he has, uh, he's starting things off with a very respectable genre tally of 10. Okay. Very good. He has a Bond tally of one, a Who tally of one, and a massive Anderson tally of six. Okay. That's mad, yeah. So I think what I'm going to do is, uh, when this show comes out, I'm going to create another Facebook page, and right. uh, I'll just chart the tally and just see who has done the most in all these different uh, uh, fields, okay? If when we get onto the main characters, is there going to be a Cali tally? Oh, very good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Cali tally. Cali tally. That's, yeah, that's, that's not, not a bad, bad idea. Yeah. The Cali tally would be if, if any actor had actually appeared with her in something else. Yeah. There you go. All right. We'll also have the Cali Tally. (laughs) All right. All right. Okay. Well, that's it. Um, Thanks, anybody who's out there for tuning in for our first episode. Uh, Join us next time when we zip forward to the second season, and we're going to be taking a look at that angry, not-so-young man, Koza. (laughs) 